Hello everyone, welcome. I'm so happy to have you join in to talk racing to me with Naomi. Today's guest hardly needs introducing. He's been one of the young stars on the West Coast for a couple of seasons now. Of course, talking about Drayden van Dijk, 2014 Eclipse Award winner as leading apprentice. He secured four great ones this year alone. But what most people would have seen him in the news for as of late is him securing a fourth consecutive grade one Starlet Stakes win aboard Vada. An incredible feat. We ended up chatting for quite a bit with Drayden being very candid about his life experiences, struggles and strengths. Thank you again for joining and don't forget to check out In The Money podcast for all the latest shows before you listen to this one or after you listen to this one. There's just so much continuous great content for you to learn from and be entertained by. I surely know what I'm listening to on the way to work every single day and that's In The Money Media. I mean, I do have a long commute, so that helps. Mind you, quick note, my mic wasn't set entirely right for this show and I come in hot a few times so please don't mind that and I'll make sure it won't happen again next time. Today I started off by asking Drayden how his morning was and he mentioned he got to work the 2019 grade one Santa Anita Derby winner Roadster. Drayden what were you up to? I was just working some horses. I worked Roadster. That, I mean that's a name that yeah, I know, remember him. Like, yeah, if we haven't. Seen, when was the last time he raced? Uh, it's been a while. I, I don't yeah. know the exact date, but yeah, he's coming off of a pretty long layoff. But uh, he worked good. Was, how old good. is he now? Is he like four or five? Uh, you know, I, I couldn't tell you the exact number. I, I think he's four, maybe. Yeah, he's getting on. Maybe about to turn five. I don't know. <sighs> Bob, Bob really liked him a lot. He just never really, never turned out to be what he thought he was gonna be, but. Who knows? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on my, my podcast. I really appreciate yeah, no it. I've never had you no on problem. before, so that'd be pretty cool. I know yeah. you've done plenty of interviews and things because I always um, go and look everything up online. So I saw you've done yeah. lots of things, but uh, I, I guess in a way, probably some questions will be similar to what you've already answered, but I'm hoping that some will be different and that you can, you know, kind of run with it and whatever you want to do. It's more, like I said, it's more just kind of fun and for listeners to get to know you a little better glad you had a good morning mine was actually really great i had to go and take my car to the garage because i had a an a screw in my tire so i had to change the tire i hate when that happens oh i've never had that before so (laughs) yeah i got a i got a i mean i got a sports car and the type of tires it has on it they're kind of flat they don't have much tread so if you run over a nail it's gonna Straight away, yeah. So you gotta try to avoid them. But actually, one of my questions has like a little joke about your sports car because it was in that um, clip, the JT. Yeah. That you you came up in your like fancy baby blue sports car, which is kind of like awesome and fun and and different. Yeah, that was that was a good that was a fun time during that that quarantine deal. I mean, uh, a lot of guys got to really get to be closer with each other because I mean, a lot of us don't really hang out. Uh, as much as we probably should outside of the track. I mean, some some guys have their families and stuff, but 
we were forced to be with each other and and it was it was really a blast yeah i de- i have one one question about that as well because i definitely think it was cool and different and i remember speaking with aaron grider about it um on this show and he was saying how you know unique it was and how you guys were playing pranks on each other and stuff yeah, like that. yeah. <laughs> i was like, like yeah kind of funny fun. thing about aaron i i uh accidentally locked locked my keys and and my and my trailer is like the first first night that we were there and and I was like, and I had to go work a horse in like 10 minutes. So I started to panic and I couldn't get in. So uh, we called we called Aaron like basically the manager of our, our little trailer park right there. So I ran to <laughs> I ran to Aaron and uh, knocked on his door. Luckily, he was awake and uh, we uh, got a, a garbage can and flipped it over and he crawled through my little tiny window and, and, and unlocked it for me. So that was that was like night that night one of of. No. of uh, our quarantine so a lot of other stuff went down but what happens in the, what happened in the quarantine stays in the quarantine oh, most of, of the on. other the other stuff yeah yeah it was a little bit because it, sound, it sounds good but wait what was Aaron kind of like the leader of the band then that he was the manager of that like that that's how you guys looked at him or did he just like fixing things no Aaron Aaron just he's he's the guy that you can always you can always count on Aaron and and uh yeah anything that needs needed to be fixed or anybody had any questions he, he was the he's the guy with all the answers so and uh i looked up i look up to aaron he's one of my my role models as, as well i mean uh, along with mike and gary and a bunch of other guys but aaron aaron's a really really smart guy and i i uh i'm, I'm lucky to be in his presence feels like there there are or have been i mean of course aaron is now retired but there have been so many really great jockeys based down in california that it must be such a pleasure kind of learning the ropes there and going through the ranks with guys like you know aaron and mike and gary that are there to i hope help you i mean they seem like the type of guys and i know mike a a fair bit so i know he would to kind of help a young jockey out yeah i mean I, I can call on any of these guys. I mean, any time of the day, uh, and, and ask them anything, uh, w- whether it be in life or or horse racing. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm generally like lucky to 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 like Mike Mike and Gary are and even Aaron. Those three they're they're really really close with me and and almost kind of a father figure type. In, in my mind, I mean, Gary and Mike are a little bit more only because, uh, well, I really, I lived with Mike for about three years before I moved out and, and got my own place. But, uh, I mean, they kind of all took me underneath their wing uh, when I got out here. And, um, uh, I mean, even like Corey Nakatani, he's another one. I mean, he's, I golf with him. I try to every, every like once or twice a week. And, and I mean, he's one of the best turf riders I've ever seen in, in my time. Uh, and I mean, he, he gives me tips and, and just talks about life as well with me and how I can become better. And uh, I mean, I just I take the good with the bad and uh, try to soak it all up. I mean, well, this is something completely different again. What is it with people in horse racing always golfing? It's a thing, right? You know what? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a thing. I mean, when I first got around the race racetrack and stuff, uh, a lot of the owners and trainers and, and even some of the jockeys, they they all seem to play golf. And I was like, man, I, I guess I need to start try to play golf. And uh, I, actually, I really enjoyed it. It's it's 
it's a good it's good to get out there and and i don't know it's good for your mind and, and it's it is a mind game and uh it has a lot of finesse with it and and power so it's it's it's, it's a unique sport and, and it goes along with horse racing i think it with it's it's very um i don't know it's it's they're similar but they're not but uh yeah i don't know a lot of racetrackers do golf. That's funny. <laughs> well, it sounds like when, when you're describing it, it's a, it's a mental game, but also skill, strength, the finesse. I mean, it sounds like you're describing horse racing, right? Riding yeah, a horse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's a lot of mind mind power, uh, physical power, and and having that touch. So, I mean, it's same attributes. Well, we'll um, get started with the fact that you've now won the grade one starlet four years in a row i mean that's an incredible feat of course everyone was over the moon for your hair but let's go back to this year's victory on 19 to 1 shot varda uh, you've ridden her in all her career starts she looked a, a little outpaced i mean she was the back marker for the entire race as a jockey when when you're behind them and it kind of i mean this sounds bad but it didn't look like she was loaded what is going through your mind? Yeah, so my, my game plan going in, into this race, I mean, I had the utmost respect for for my filly uh, against these other fillies. But, I mean, in all seriousness, I thought I was kind of outmatched on paper. I mean, the filly of Mandela's astute and, and Bob's other two fillies just kind of seemed they looked better on paper than mine, especially Princess Noor. Uh, Numbers-wise and everything, I mean, she was just – kind of up against it but in, in, in races like that I mean uh, I mean when when you're in the race you, you still have a chance to win so I always think I can win but so uh, my tactics were and Bob Bob told me to as well but I already knew this he's like just sit back there and try to pick up the pieces and and so hopefully they it, I mean if they go fast maybe you can get a piece of it so that was my that was my goal my go-to and I mean I seen a stoop kind of kind of bobble and uh i kind of took advantage of that and kind of i didn't push her down in there but i just kind of blocked her from from tipping out and 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 uh, so she she was on the rail and the other two were uh up near the lead and, and the other michael mccarthy horse was, was up there as well so I, you know i was back there just traveling nice and comfortable and i was just trying to make one run and um i mean obviously unfortunately princess nor suffered uh uh, a soft tissue injury and uh she had to be retired but i mean you know that's horse racing anything can happen and uh it was a it was a pleasant surprise it was, it was unfortunate circumstances that I, then i i won it in that fashion but i'm i'm you gotta you gotta i mean it's still a great one we still won so uh and i was super super happy to win it four times in a row i i, I knew coming in like i was gonna break so me and cory nakatani are the you know, only two jockeys to win it three times in a row in, in the entire history of the race. I mean, that's uh, that's rare, and to to break that record is uh, it made me really really uh, satisfied. Yeah, it certainly must make it extra special and definitely a feather to put in your cap. Talking about when you mentioned that Princess Noor got pulled up, what is going through your mind as a jockey when you see someone in front of you pull up? Yeah, so you know, right before he started to pull up, I was I was looking up uh, up uh, at those two in front and Princess Nora. I mean, you could see the body language of Victor, 
he was sitting motionless and, and it looked like he was just about to rocket away. It looked like he was going to gallop to be honest. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, Oh, I, I got to try to get the third or second. It's, it's very important for grade one black type for, for this mare. And, and so that was going through my mind. And all of a sudden he peels out and, and starts pulling up and, and it, it clicked in my mind. It's, it's like, Holy crap. This, this is happening. And, and, I might be able to get, I might be able to win because I mean, it didn't look like I have horse, but I was back there traveling really, really comfortable. So I know she had to finish a little bit and she's, she's a decent, decent filly. So I know she'll finish. So I was like, Oh, it went from maybe third or second to, I think I can win this. And, uh, uh, it was, it was super exciting. You mentioned looking at other jockeys' body language. Is that something that you or a lot of other riders would frequently do throughout the race to kind of uh, guess who's going well and who isn't? Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the, the body, body language of, of the jockey and, and the horse, how they're traveling uh, on dirt and, and even more so, I think, on the turf. I mean, when you're down there on the rail or, or to pass off the rail, you, you, you need to look to who's going to be here. You're, we call it uh, me, Gary Stevens, and, and Mike Smith. They call it uh, Huckleberry. He's gonna be your Huckleberry. He's gonna, he's gonna take you along and and and, and keep 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 the that momentum going without you have to get in the horse's mouth and stop. And so, I mean, you want to get behind the person who you think has the most horse and is gonna take you the furthest. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, body language is 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 huge in ha- having a smooth trip. So what about if you're stuck in between horses and you can tell the horses around you aren't going as strongly? Uh, what what do you do except for maybe patiently wait or hope that a gap appears? Yeah, that's that's all you can do. I mean, you, you can't you can't bump your way out of, of a spot that there's no room to to make your way out of. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna cause an inquiry. Uh, it can cause somebody to fall. It can cause yourself to fall and get a lot of people and horses hurt so i mean that's called that's called eating a race i mean when when all these horses back up in front of you and and a hole doesn't unfortunately doesn't open and uh it's it's brutal but it, it happens and it happens a lot in turf races more than dirt but um i mean the good trainers and owners they 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 understand that and they can see that and i mean it's frustrating but uh that's that's turf racing yeah we all know yeah well we all know the big the big um turf races where they all fan out wide and you're just hoping that your horse gets a clean run and doesn't get stuck in traffic um i was actually going to ask you this later but as we're just talking about tactics and, and riding what do you think would be your specialty as a jockey what is your strength is it you know, guiding young horses to get that maiden win or getting a horse to break well from the gate or setting the right fractions up front? Um, you know, I, I think I'm all around uh, good in all those aspects. I mean, I, I try to I, – I study my horse, and, and if I've been on the horse lately in the mornings, I, I know how good the horse is doing. But my main thing is I know who's around me. I know my competition. I know the jockeys I'm riding around with, and uh, I get on my horse and I and I and I gauge how how my horse is feeling, uh, and I know my chances based off that more than anything, warming up. And uh, 
going from there, I, I, I keep a lot of things as simple as possible. I, I, uh, I do all the small things correct, uh, try to get a good, good, nice, clean break uh, without rushing the horse off its feet too much, unless that's my, uh, my instructions. But I usually do what, what I think is best. And uh, and I go from there and, and make sure the horses are are in the right leads uh, in the turn and going down the backside and, and swapping back to the right lead uh, in the stretch and uh, just being super aware of, of the animal that I'm on and and uh, if it's a green horse if it's an older horse if if it needs to if it likes to be on the outside better than than the inside just those type of things I'm super aware of and um, I think that's what's makes a good jockey you saying that you you kind of know what your chances might be during the warm-up but that kind of indicates that you know those horses really well what about horses that you might have never sat on is it more like a general thing that you just think wow this horse feels good or is it more about you know if you know a horse you know if they're well in themselves yeah I think that's based on the experience I've had I've, I've been so lucky to be on on really nice horses and I know when I sit on a really nice horse, even if it ran bad, I know it's a nice horse and it can become an even better horse. And, uh, but I mean, from, from being on, on, on two year olds, say, say two year, a two year old that's first time starter, I can tell by its greenness and, 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 uh, or its lack of converse, uh, uh, focus that, that maybe he's not 100% prepared, or maybe he's just he's just he's a young young horse. But uh, that's my job to to get him focused and, and, and get him ready to run. But uh, I mean, you you never know really when, when you're gonna win. I mean, you could be on a horse that you really love and, and you don't win. Uh, but I mean, I, I, just based on my experience and being on so many horses that I've been on, and, and other jockeys will tell you the same thing too. They you know you have a good good idea uh, of what you're sitting on after after you warm up. And you were mentioning like I think this is especially more a thing with the younger horses, uh, getting them to change their leads. Now I always thought that this is I mean I guess this is to me a very American thing the left hand that turns the, the dirt racing because uh, I I've broken in a fair few yearlings and, and ridden many two year olds and even just chatting with trainers back in Europe they wouldn't be as obsessed with getting the horse to go on the right lead. Like I would tell them, be like, oh, I'll try to get the right lead. And they're like, oh, I'll just leave that for now. Whereas here in the US, that's a very big thing that can really aid a horse. If a horse isn't changing leads coming out of that home turn, do you still force them or do you kind of just let them go with that natural flow? You know, I I asked, I asked them a solid two times uh and and usually if if they don't do that i i'm, I'm not gonna f- completely throw them over to their right lead unless you know they're just they're just you know that's that's another thing too based on experience some horses you know that they're, they're gonna hang on that left lead so maybe you'll you'll drift off if off that coming off that bend a little bit to the right and 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 really let them kind of float down left and and really change your momentum and, and really to get them jump to jump on that right lead but you know if it's a if they don't want to switch I'm, I'm not going to make them switch if if i ask them a solid twice uh two times you know and 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 some horses they 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 swap in mid-stretch uh they're on the right lead and they swap back to the left lead i think 
they they might see something in the grandstand and uh um uh, so i mean like like you said they they swap naturally themselves but i think it is it's key in, in uh in races especially longer races uh to it's just the the different energy comes from that different uh lead change so i think that's super important do you think it's more important in dirt racing versus turf racing or would it be kind of even i would think i would think in dirt longer dirt races is more key uh because i mean turf races they 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 quicken so so much and but but it, it matters in both in my opinion but I, I would think more more in effect on on longer dirt races yeah so getting back to, you already mentioned a couple names of some of the jockeys that have really greatly helped you throughout your career. And as we're talking about riding styles, would you say that there's a, a particular jockey style that you like the most or have tried to resemble throughout your career? You know, um, a, a lot of people refer me to like be, having the same stature as like a Pat Day. I'm, I'm bigger than Shoemaker, but... Uh, I sit quiet like Shoemaker, a lot of people says, which is uh, extremely uh, nice thing to say. But uh, uh, Mike Smith, he, he that was uh, Pat Day was Mike Smith's like go-to guy. That was his man. So uh, for Mike to say that I'm I'm built just like Pat. Uh, so I've looked at Pat a lot, and and you know I I, I want to have my own style too, but you want to look you want to look uh, good as well. Um, but you know, I, I focus on keeping quiet hands and and not moving too much and and having really good rhythm. And I mean, you, you might not see me. A lot of people don't see me as a, a super aggressive rider because I'm not I'm not flopping my elbows and 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 bouncing up and down. I'm I'm more stable and I'm, I stay really still. But I'm still pushing hard. I just I don't I don't do the flip and flop thing. But some guys, some trainers like to see that. But I mean, I'm. I'm pushing just as hard as as anybody else, and you can you can ask Mike. I mean, it's just my arms aren't that long, so uh, <laughs> I can't get up on on top of behind their ears and 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 flop on when I'm towards the back of the neck and or in the middle of the neck. And and uh, I, I I think saving energy and, and being as still and, and balanced as possible on a horse is. is more better than a over over exaggerated aggressive sloppy ride you know that's that's just my opinion also it's nice to be able to get feedback from your fellow colleagues as well do you when you started out of course you were the recipient of the 2014 eclipse award uh for leading apprentice jockey so clearly you made a wonderful start to your career did you have a jockey coach or someone like helping you maybe on the equisizer to really get that kind of shape or, or know what the right things are to do on top of a horse? You know, I, uh, before I even set on a horse, I was, I was training myself to, to be physically or as close as, as fit as possible. Or, and like I was like jogging before I, my bus would come for, for school, uh, and my brother and I, uh, so I grew up in, in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and uh, there was a farm uh, down the road from us, and and some somebody I don't know who made it. They made like a it's like a rinky dink uh, equisizer before Frank Lovato uh, 
I couldn't get my hands on one of those. First of all, I couldn't afford it, but uh, so it was like a like a saddle horse type deal or whatever you call it. It's like that wooden thing that you set the saddles on, uh, and they put like a piece of wood on on each side to make it flat. And uh, I, I offered him. I don't know how much I paid for it. Maybe like fifty bucks or a hundred bucks. And uh, uh, we brought that over to where we, we were living and. I was just kind of practicing on on that and watching races on HRTV and just, I mean, I was I was a lunatic riding races all day long on it, just timing myself and then doing push-ups, doing sit-ups, doing everything I could. That and and I mean, I was extremely fit before I even got on a horse and, uh, but I, I got I got my all my training at Glen Hill Farm, uh, Tom Proctor and and. Uh, Craig Burnick, they they gave me a chance. Mr. Leonard Lavin, I mean, uh, he's passed away now, but uh, they they allow me to 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 go over there and and, and break horses for for a season. I was there for six months, and and I I really learned everything about a horse, and and that that made me uh, I truly think who who I am today as a rider. And uh, so I, I owe a lot to to those guys. And uh, but yeah, going back to the the physical fitness part, uh, you, you you get it with experience, and you get it through. And you know this too. You, you you can only get the the muscles that you use on a horse by riding a horse. So I had to just start riding horses. Yeah. Well, the reason I was asking is I know that, uh, for example, in Europe, jockeys starting out in the industry get. A, a jockey coach such as John Reed, who's an Epsom Derby winning jockey, to kind of help them through it and to really finesse them. And I wondered if that was something that was done in the U.S. because I don't really feel like that's the case, is it? No, it's not. Uh, I think I think they got a better system, in my opinion, over there. Uh, I see I see videos of of those those horses that that practice to to launch you off and. You, you yeah. learn to tuck and you learn to tuck and roll. I mean, we don't we don't have that. I, I learned to, to to tuck and roll by falling off naturally, which I, I luckily I didn't I didn't do too much when I was learning. But when I did, uh, you learn to tuck and roll because when, when you hit hard, uh, all your air gets sucked out of you, and it's, that's not fun. But yeah, I mean, I think it's extremely cool what what they have going on over there, the British Racing School, and, and whatever else they they have. Uh, I mean, Chris McCarron, I know he was, he had a, a little jockey school going on, uh, here for, for a while. Um, I'm not sure. I know he's not doing it anymore, but I'm not sure, uh, how high tech it was or, or what, but I know over there by just seeing some videos I've seen, it's, it's really, really neat. And, uh, I wish we had that over here. Yeah. yeah I, I think it'd really I, help. I, I funny that you mentioned that horse cause I've, I've gone on that and, you know what? I thought it was more scary falling off that thing than just falling off a normal horse. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you get it looks launched. metal. It looks like it's metal or something if you. Yeah, clip but also that thing. you know you're going to fall off. Like when you're normally mm-hmm. riding a horse, you don't. I don't. I I taught myself to. You don't. I, I'm assuming you do too. You don't think about falling off because no, that's no. gonna not help you whatsoever. But on yeah, that sure. metal horse, you know it's coming, and yeah. they actually tell you not to resist it because that's when you get hurt right but it's interesting that you mentioned that you learned how to talk and roll from falling yourself because i feel like 
not everyone learns that. I mean, I dare say it took me a long time to know how to fall. So I think that's really interesting that you mentioned that. And I, I do feel like some jockeys seem to fall better than others. I don't know if you'd agree with me on that one, but it's definitely, yeah, an interesting, interesting aspect. Well, I mean, it, you know, one thing I could work on is, is being a little bit more flexible. I think flexibility uh, helps you not to get as much injured as, as you would saying if you're, you could, you could be a fit jockey, but you could also be really stiff and, uh, I think falling off and you, and you land wrong and you, and you, and your body don't want to go that way. I think that that makes it 10 times worse. I think flexibility is key. Yeah. To reduce the chance of injury for yeah. sure. Talking about injuries in terms of, you know, days away from the track, would you say that you count yourself lucky or how would you describe it over the last, I mean, you've been a professional jockey for, over six years now, right? So six and a half or seven years coming up now? Yeah, I think it's around six and a half, I believe. Maybe, yeah. Seven. Yeah, I think I, I lost count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I've, it's it's one of those deals. I mean, I'm, I'm knocking on wood just, just talking about it, but I've been, I've been in my, in my eyes, uh, really, really lucky for, from, for the, the injuries I've sustained. I mean, I, I, I did break my arm. In two places, my right arm. Uh, one was a compound fracture, and uh, uh, I was I was honestly really lucky just to break my arm in that spill. That was that was a really bad one, and uh, I'm sure I got I know I got a really bad concussion because I mean I, I got knocked out as soon as I hit the ground, which I'm thankful for. Honestly, I didn't I didn't want to see uh, my injury and, and my bone out of my my arm so <laughs> I was I was super happy I was knocked out but uh I mean I've I've got stepped on uh I mean I've I've fallen off and got knocked out and but you know that that was my worst injury it was was my arm so I consider myself super lucky I mean a, a lot of guys I mean it's it's super dangerous you know and uh you never know when it's your turn to 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 take take a fall and uh, I mean, I think we've done really, really well lately with the safety issues. I mean, I mean, knock on wood again. I mean, uh, we've gone Del Mar and, and, and Santa Anita without, I mean, really anything serious. So uh, I think we're doing extremely job, uh, extremely good job uh, of uh, keeping each other safe. Well, definitely big credit goes to the management team at Santa Anita Park, as well as, of course, Del Mar and, and all the tracks on the West Coast, because I have to agree with you. It's been a really good year for horse racing in that aspect on the West Coast. And I think that's absolutely amazing and definitely something that we will continue to build on. Uh, quickly going sort of a little bit back towards, you know, the start of your career um, I know from kind of looking some stuff up that your late father was the one introducing you to horse racing. Was it sort of love at first sight or were you a little bit hesitant at first when it came to thoroughbreds? Because, for example, I was scared of horses at first. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I, I was hesitant uh, and I, I was like you. I, I was uh, pretty scared of them. Uh, they're massive. They're huge. It was like one of the biggest animals I've seen uh, ever. And I was a really, really small kid. And uh, uh, so, yeah, going to the, the racetrack with my dad. Uh, so I mainly lived with my mom during the school season. 
in, in Arkansas, so I'd go visit my dad in the summertime. Uh, and he was at Churchill Downs mainly, uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, so I, I couldn't even wake up. I couldn't even stay awake most like for the first couple of years I was visiting him. And uh, eventually I, I, I was waking up and, and, and I don't know, I just little by little I was getting more interested in in, in, in the horses. And I mean, I was still scared of them. I was, it, it took a long time for me to be comfortable next to a horse. And I started walking them and, and uh, just doing little small things and, yeah, like you said, I, I caught the bug, and uh, and uh, I, I dedicated my life to it, and uh, I knew I wanted to do it, and uh, I just I took off with it. If you look back on your career and everything you've achieved, which we'll, we'll get to in a second as well, just asking about some of your the highlights for you, would there be something that you wish you would have known before embarking on your career or something that you would have loved to kind of known about the sport before getting into it? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I mean, I, definitely save your money a lot, like as soon as you can. Uh <laughs> I mean, I've done well saving my money, but there was times where I think when I first started, if if I would have just started to save every penny I've started making, which is hard. I mean, you you live and you learn, but uh, I think that's the biggest thing anybody can do. And when you when you first start out is is save your like save every penny you make, because uh, you never know when 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 your time time is up and it's 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 hard. I mean, uh, you can have a really rough year and and not make a whole lot, or you could have your, the best year of your life. So, uh, be smart with your money. That is actually a good fun segue into another question I wanted to ask you because um, we'll get back we'll get to the sports bubble in a sec. But there was a documentary and it was called the clip was called the J Team, which was a lot of fun and everyone was kind of in the spotlight. And then you come in pulling up in a blue Porsche. So my question was, what would have been the first sort of big purchase you made when you did get, you know, a real paycheck as a young jockey? And I'm I, from just listening to you, I can tell, of course, it's it's been a journey, but obviously that must have been like a fun thing, right? That you all of a sudden were like, well, I can do something fun with this. Yeah. So when I, when I was doing good and stuff, I mean, uh, you, you gotta you gotta splurge a little bit. You gotta live your life as well. I mean, you can't you can't save every single penny and, and, and have nothing nice to, to show for it. I mean, that's what you work for. You work for nice things, but you just got to be smart about it too and, and, and know when the right time is to, to splurge a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think my, my first kind of big purchase was, was my, my first nice car. I mean, I had an okay car. It was like a Saturn Ion or something, which I don't know. I, it was a good car. It took me a lot of places, but I, I, I the first cool car I got was a uh, was a Chevy Camaro, Oof, and nice. uh, yeah, it was it was really fun, and I drove it for a, a long time. And uh, but you know, I also I, I was just really happy to be able to help my family out too, uh, to give to give my mother and my brother and and, and whoever, you know, I, I kind of got a little overboard with that, but. Uh, I, I was having money coming in like 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 no other, and uh, I could have been smarter with that. But it, it's 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 good to take care of your family too. So uh, that that was that was super appreciative of, for for me. Uh, I mean, my mom uh, 
most of the time single single mother ra- raising two boys and and uh, she she worked a butt off for me so I, uh, I I love to take care of my mother. Well, I think that's a very commendable thing. So I definitely would agree with that one. And like you said, you 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 live and you learn and you grow. And it seems like you certainly have over the last what were we saying six and a half years or so. So getting back to that um, first sports bubble, we, we kind of talked about it at the beginning. You know, Santa Anita Park early in the pandemic decided to isolate all the jockeys as well as I think some of their executive staff members to be able to stage live racing. Now, you mentioned what happened there, stays there, but come on, you have to tell us what it was like to to live with your colleagues as well as your friends, because I I know from what you've been saying that a lot of you like hanging out together. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was was a neat experience and and it was a blast, to be honest. Uh, The first few weeks, for sure. uh, So we were only racing Friday through Sunday. So... Uh, we'd get in Friday uh, afternoon before the races start, and uh, so we'd stay there Friday night and Saturday night, and we'd we'd be able to leave Sunday. So uh, a, a lot of stuff went down those those Friday and Saturday nights. Uh, uh, and like you said, some some executives stayed with us. Uh, Aiden Butler, uh, Nate Newby. Uh, there, there. I thought it was pretty cool for them to to isolate with us and, and make sure everything that we needed or, or anything that we needed, we, we got and, uh, shout out to them. I mean, they did an awesome job and, uh, and everyone else who was involved that, that made that happen. Uh, so we were playing a bunch of poker games. Uh, I mean, uh, we'd have a few cocktails of course. And, uh, uh, and, and I don't know, we're just, a bunch of a bunch of jockeys up there having having a blast. I mean, uh, talking stories. Mike Mike started talking story old stories, which he's a great storyteller. Uh, Aaron was doing the same. Uh, I mean, it was it was neat, and it was neat to to. I mean, some of the younger Spanish kids that that I wouldn't really hang around with uh, outside of the track. I got to kind of be around them and and get to know them a little bit better, and actually hang hang around them and. Uh, so it, it brought us all kind of closer together and, and, and uh, we got to know each other a little bit better and, 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 and have fun with each other too. So, And, and also, I mean, Aiden, Aiden and, and Nate, they, they did a fabulous job for uh, uh, get, getting us awesome dinners every night. I mean, like from, from uh, restaurants around Pasadena and, and Sierra Madre and Arcadia and places like that. I mean, they really, really took great care of us. Like it was, it was awesome. It's, it it nearly sounds like a fun sleepover if it wasn't for the fact that you know this is done because of the pandemic. But you mentioned poker. Who who was the king of poker? Who was taking everyone's money? Uh, you know, it's funny. Aiden crushed us. I mean, it, it, it <laughs> we we'd win a little bit, and but at, at the end of the night, yeah, I mean, just that guy he just leaves with all the money. I mean, uh, uh, he was uh he was sneaky good at it, but. You know, it, it it was a great time, and that like like you said that uh, the Porsche thing. Uh, there was one one night that uh, we were having dinner, and uh, there's an area we weren't at the top at where we were. Uh, so we had we had different sections we could go to. Basically, we could go almost anywhere in Santa Anita, but we we uh, we stayed uh, in one section, and uh, but there was a section kind of closer 
uh, by the trailers, and I was able to pull my my car into where we were all eating, and uh, I don't know, I just started playing playing music out of my car and stuff. It, I don't know, it was, it was kind of funny, but we we had a lot of we had a lot of funny times. It, it was it was uniquely a, a really really great time. That sounds kind of gangster, Drayden. What kind of music were we playing here? Yeah, it was gangster. I was playing hip hop, so. <laughs> But Aiden, surprisingly, he's a really good rapper. No way. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's in with the times for sure. So, what what would be your favorite music? What was played most? Uh, you know, I I, I do love hip hop. Uh. Uh, but you know I'm a music lover of, of all genres. I, I love country music. I love I love classic rock music. I I like reggae. Uh, I like uh, reggaeton. Uh, the, I don't even know what they're saying in the reggaeton, but I mean I just like the the sound of it. Uh, so, but my my go-to is, is is rap or hip hop for sure, especially when I work out. It's always good to have something motivated. I was gonna say I better not introduce you to, to Dutch like folk music because that kind of sucks. I don't I don't think you would like that. <laughs> no, that that don't sound very appealing to me. But yeah, I, I'll give it a shot. I won't I won't. Our, it our techno to it. our techno scene is very very good. Armin van Buren, Chesto. So we do have that. Thank God. Right. We have something. But just For looking sure. back on 2020, it's been a weird year to say the least. But despite all of that. Are you sort of happy coming away with it? And what would be one of your highlights? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with with what I've done. I mean, I, I'm never never uh, generally happy. I mean, I think I can always do better than what I what I do. But uh, I, I've been blessed to win uh, four grade ones this year, I believe. Uh, uh, so I mean, and and not counting the other graded stakes I've won, I, I don't know how many I exactly have won, but I. I know I knocked out a few, so I mean I've with 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 the COVID thing. Uh, obviously, our my earnings aren't probably as close as they should be, but yeah, I'm 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 super grateful and and compared to a lot of people in the country, and I'm healthy. Uh, uh, so my my family's healthy, so I'm I'm happy. I'm happy with with how things are, and uh, I just hope the world can can get better and, and we can move on from this and and I'm, i'm praying that that it does and hopefully this vaccine or whatever they're they're working on that with the covid i hope it hope it i hope it helps and we can move on from this because i know a lot of people are, are tired of it yeah i dare say that's a sentiment shared by many people Um, before I ask you about you know your favorite horses or the you know the many great moments that you've written, written excuse me, um, also wanted to ask you about something that's also you must have talked about this very frequently, but it kind of came to my mind again this year because you rode authentic in his first four starts, including a win in the Grade Two San Felipe and the Grade Three Sham, and then of course he went on to win the Kentucky Derby and the Breeders Cup Classic and. What is it like for you as a jockey? I mean, it's part and parcel of the job that, you know, jockeys change and then you get taken off horses as well as put on horses for that matter. But how do you deal with, you know, being on good horses and then sometimes seeing them go on to scale these great heights, but you aren't a part of that? Yeah, I mean, it's 
it's tough. Uh, I've learned to cope with it, and and you have to. Uh, you can't you can't walk walk in the next day to to Bob Baffert's barn after he, he's taking you off a horse and and not want to talk to the guy. Uh, you got to be respectful. It's a business, and uh, he's not always the one who's taking me off. It's it's it could be the owners. It could be it could be any situation, and it could be because of of what I, what I did. So uh, there's a lot of lot of things to it, and and. And look, I'm I'm super grateful that I'm I'm even in the conversation of, of being on type of horses like this and 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 be be given a chance to be associated with uh, these types of horses uh, that I that I've that I've dreamed of being part of and and I, I believe I'll get my chance. I mean, look, Johnny V, he's he's the best that's ever done, and I, I I mean one of them along with Mike and 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 there's so many others that uh that are way above me and, and that have been around before I was even born and they're already winning grade one. So uh I gotta be respectful in that aspect and, and uh but I believe I'll get my chance and I just gotta keep my head up and, and keep getting better and, and be confident and uh I'll get my chance. That's 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 what I keep in my mind. I say, I'll get my chance. So that's it. Oh, you and you've sat on a fair few wonderful horses and, and won grade ones on them for Bob Bafford as well. So you're already in there, and it's a wonderful relationship, I'd say, that you'd have with Bob Bafford. I mean, how did that develop, or when did that come about? Because you definitely seem like one of his go-to guys. Yeah, so that's that's another thing to be thankful for. I mean, he he's I guess he was just watching me in the mornings, and uh, this is about two years since I've been riding before I've probably even rode for him. I'm, I probably won a race for him once, I believe when I was, uh, an apprentice, I could be wrong. Uh, I don't even think I did ride for him, but, uh, yeah, he was just watching me and, and, and he likes, he likes a good work rider. Uh, and he, I, I, which I am. And, uh, so I just started working horses for him and, uh, he, he threw the radio on me. He likes a guy who can be good with the radio, and uh, and I just we just started clicking, and uh, and, and just started winning, and 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 moving on up. And in, in, in his barn, I mean, he, he loves confidence. Uh, he, he don't he does not like a rider who doesn't have any confidence in themselves or or anything. So uh, that's that's huge for him, and. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, super thankful he's, he's given me chances. Do you ever have a discussion with him when it comes to, for example, we just talked about with Authentic as well as I know that there was also you, you won on Justify when he first, ta- first time out and then Mike wrote him. Do you ever like have a chat with Mr. Rafford about you know that wanting that eagerness to to stay on board or is i mean i don't know if that's the kind of relationship you have but i'm assuming that he would see that in you that you you want to do it all and you would want to you know scale those heights yeah i mean it's i think it'd be pretty obvious uh that for for anybody to to want to stay on a type of horse like that and uh, i mean you, you could probably see in my face after i mean I, I i learned a lot from being taken off the of justify uh as a writer and as a person and, and how the business is and stuff. And, uh, so, I mean, I learned a lot from that and, and, and look, I've, I've been given, I mean, after justify, look at the horses that, that were, were the opportunities I was given to, to ride. I mean, I've, 
I've won so many good races for, for, for the man and for his connections. And, uh, but I mean, like I said, I got to work my way to, to be on that tier of, of, of being that guy that, I mean, somebody might below me might be getting taken off and, and all of a sudden I'm being put on. So it, it goes both ways. And I mean, I just got to work my way to, to, to be that, that guy. We're definitely on the right path there. Now, talking about all those different horses that you've ridden for different connections, many great one winners, who would be the horse that has meant the most to you thus far? Um, that's that's a hard one. Uh, well, uh, probably, I mean, my first win, will, will, uh, every jockey doesn't forget their, their first win. Uh, and... It was super cool to, to to win it for Tom Proctor, the guy who started me out, and 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 the connections uh, of Glen Hill Farm. So that's something I'll never forget. But um, I don't know. There's there's so many. I I can't I can't decipher one. Uh, but I, I know. The, I mean, the Grade Ones, maybe my first Grade One, uh, on Ring Weekend for Grand Motion, uh, here at Santa Anita in the Kilroy Mile. Uh, that was huge. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, just, just winning, winning the, on the big stage. I mean, my first Breeders' Cup, that was, that was huge for me. Uh, just, just doing things like that. I mean, the sky, sky's the limit. Uh, I want to keep continuing to, to win these big races. I mean, I love winning all, all types of races, but, but the big ones when, when the money's down and, and all eyes are, are, are on you. And you have the target on your back, and you su- you succeed. That's uh, super satisfying. So, would you say that you get excited uh, under pressure instead of getting nervous? A little bit like when we saw Mike Smith just before, you know, trying to make Triple Crown his- history, but justify that he was sleeping in the jock's room. Yeah, I, every jockey is is lying to you if if they don't have butterflies before. I mean even like a grade one or, or something like that. And you're, you're the one to five favorite or something, say, say something like that. Of course you're a little nervous, but you turn that ner- nervous energy into positive energy and, and, and good energy. And, and you, you just focus. And I try to, like I said earlier, I try to keep a lot of things simple and, and do all the small things correct. And, and, uh, the rest, the rest will come. I mean, you're on a talented horse and, try to stay out of their way and and give them the best trip possible put them in the best position and uh and uh, usually uh that, that'll lead you to victory yeah well i think that's an incredible skill like i mentioned mike mike smith showed it and just hearing from you about that that's something that certainly sets you apart as being a, a top class writer could he wanted to ask another question that i forgot to ask when we kind of moved up when you were talking about um, work writing for Bob Baffert and being good on the radio and being a good work writer. Uh, what we frequently hear is that, you know, a good jockey doesn't always make for a good work writer and vice versa. Uh, how would you look upon that? Do you think it's it's very different? Because I do believe it is. But what makes it as a jockey that you can still be a good work writer or what makes some jockeys maybe not as good of a work writer? Um, I mean, it's it's the clock, the clock that you have in your head. Um uh, I'll tell you a story that 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 I uh, I had with Proctor when I was galloping for him. Uh, I went and bought a, a nice little stopwatch for for my wrist to to start working horses for it to 
So, because he always asked me, would you go in, Jock? What time did you get? And I'd be like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to, to, to know what, what time I was going in. And, and, uh, he's, so I showed up one day with, to the, to the barn with, with a stopwatch on my arm. And he, he kind of, it, it surprised me. He got really mad at me and, and, and really loud with me. Uh, you know how Tom can, can be. He's, he's a, he's not the shortest guy in the world. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a really, really big guy. And I was a tiny little young, young kid trying to do everything I could the best of my ability. And, and, uh, he said, take that watch off and, and throw it away. And, and he said, you, you need to know how fast you're going without a stopwatch. And, uh, and from there on, I just, every horse that I, that would, I would work, uh, I'd go look up what time I was, was going in and, and asking him as well. And I, I, that's where I gained my clock, uh, uh, just, just from experience of working so many horses and, uh, I mean, I, I really don't need a radio. If, if Bob wants me to go in, in a minute, I can go in a minute if you want me to. So, but with with Bob, the radio is is, is key because he'll tell you to. He might want to flip flop positions of, of of the horses. I might be on the outside of of a horse and tracking the horse, and and the last second he he might be like, you know what, Drayden, you go on the inside and, and you set the pace, and 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 also. Uh, he can tell you to keep going. Say we work uh, four, four, uh, five furlongs from the four, four and a half, and uh, he might want want you to keep going on out seven eight. So certain things that he wants you to do, he, he, he that's that's why he has the radio on, on you, and uh, uh, and for you to be able to to click with him and and do things smoothly and have works go go to plan. Uh, he, he really likes that so yeah it's very interesting to hear I, I we the only experience i ever had work writing with radios on us when i was at the british racing school because they do that to educate you and then for example in australia um the, i was actually wondering do you do you count like let's say furlongs or do you kind of like you say you you just know because i remember i used to always count the furlongs per second and i knew which which splits I had to go to make that exact time that the trainer wanted me to do. Now this was back in Australia, which is in a way they train similar, but how do you do it? I, I don't count. I, I don't do anything. I, I just know how fast I'm going. The one thing I do look at is I look at the rail. I can tell how fast I'm going by how fast the rail's going by me. And, and, and the same thing with, with, uh, being outside of a horse, uh, the ground, how fast the ground's moving by me or, or, I, I mean, I can still see the rail, but I, 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 it's all feel. It's all feel for me. No way. That's super interesting. Cause like, I would never look at the rail or at the ground to see how fast I'm going. That, that's really, cause also we, um, what we do back in Australia is they had, um, what we call beepers. So they're like mm -hmm. a metronome. So they, they beep every second. So that's how you start learning. That's how you count the beeps per furlong. And then after a while, you don't really need to use that anymore. You kind of know how to count. And that's when you start developing just a sense of time in general. So that's super interesting that you do it based on feeling. But how about if a horse is, you know, some horses travel a lot better than others do. And it seems like you're going slower than you really are. Right. So, for example, Justify, he, he was... 
he was a big horse and he had he had such a big stride and and it felt like felt like you're not you weren't going anywhere but but you were so so good horses like that uh you can they can deceive you a little bit and and but it'll it'll take me it'll take me once of one time of breezing that horse to to know uh exactly what what I'm working with but also with experience too you look at a horse you see how big a horse is so naturally you're going to say or you're going to know this horse has a big stride so a, a normal type size horse uh they're they're going to be moving quicker uh by the by the fence than than this horse is because i mean obviously they have a bigger stride so they, they cover more ground uh so you just got to that comes with a lot of working horses and, and, and a lot of time being on top of a horse and, and, and just put, putting hours in, in the morning and the experience. That's, that's, that's all it comes down to. Yeah, like you did this morning. How, how many would you work on an average morning? Uh, well, back pre-COVID, uh, it, would, it would be, I would say, maybe four or five. Uh, on a, on a, that's a, a, a good day, a, a really busy day, maybe seven a uh, slow day would be a couple but now with covid uh really i have i don't work as much horses as, as as i normally do uh because we have to go through the paddock and stuff and and because jockeys aren't allowed on the backside so we can't we can't go to the barn and and get on these horses where uh that's that's their normal routine they they get on and they walk the same path to to the track now for a horse for a jockey to work the horse they gotta walk as as if they're going to the to the races and and some horses know that that different path and they might get too excited and and stuff like that so the trainers they don't want to bring them through the paddock because they're gonna it's gonna get them too jacked up and 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 get them their mind going crazy so um so I work a couple now. I mean, like like this morning I worked two for Bob, uh, six thirty and seven forty five, and uh, so it's 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 been pretty light working working. But I mean, it's like riding a bike. It once once you have it, it'll never go away. Uh, so that's very true. Talking about just listening to you and how experienced you are work riding, and of course, you know, very good jockey as well. Do you ever get the chance to pass on this kind of knowledge to other work riders? Do you ever help others, or is that not really a thing? I'm assuming Bob Baffert's work riders are incredibly well experienced, so they don't need it, but maybe even other stables. This sounds kind of weird, but I just know from having been a work rider that it can really help young people that are learning the ropes to, to listen to these much more experienced riders yeah i mean if i see an opportunity where i could help somebody without overstepping my boundary with without them saying hey i mean who are you to like I'm, i know how to ride like i, I don't want to do that i don't want to say too much but i mean if i if i do see something with it for the young with the, one of the younger guys uh of course i'll help them out but i mean uh like like I just said, uh, I don't want to overstep, and and more than anything, say if we start off too slow, I'll, I'll holler at holler at a guy or, or a girl. I'll be like, hey, let's pick it up. Like we're going too slow, something like that. That's that's mainly something I'll say to somebody. But I mean, uh, I'm I'm always here to help anybody who needs wants my help, or or you can anybody. I mean, even if you, I mean, that Mike Mike's Mike's a good example. He 
he's been riding for how many years? He'll he'll still ask me something or he, he asks everybody like, man, what'd you do right there to make that horse do that? I mean, you can never stop learning. So I think questions are great. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's also what makes uh, for a very strong jockey to continue to develop because our industry, you know, never stands still. And I dare say in terms of, you know, being an accomplished jockey's styles change or methods change, and there's always something new and something to adapt to. Just coming back to being a jockey in general, would you say there, if there is, would you say, what would you have to, how do you have to explain to people that aren't in horse racing what a jockey's like? Or do you think that there is a conception or certain myths that people think you do, but you actually kind of want to go, no, that's not what I do. This is not how it works. It's a bit of a roundabout question, but basically if there is a myth around your profession, what would it be and how would you sort of refute that? Yeah, so I think the main the main question a lot of people get a lot of jockeys get i'm sure and and some might have to watch watch the way they eat and stuff but there a lot of people they're like oh you're a jockey you, you probably don't eat you, you you don't eat a lot or i mean that's and i think that's not a really fair question to ask somebody i mean you eat when you're hungry and if if you don't want to eat then that's i think that's your choice but in our job you have to be a certain weight and and if you're naturally bigger you got to of course cut back on how much you eat and, and, and watch your, your diet and a stigma that a lot of jockeys get that they might be considered uh, flippers or they want to uh, get rid of their food, like th- re-throw up their food or something. I mean, um, that's a, that goes along with, with a lot of sports. I mean, wrestling, uh, any, any sports that you got to cut weight, uh, uh, even like models, they're, they're, they have that stigma of, of, of maybe possibly doing that. But I think nutrition is, is a humongous part of, of being a good jockey as well. And, and, uh, but look, it's, it's, it's how you take care of your body. Uh, and, and I think the better way, the better you take care of your body, what you put in is, is, is what you're going to get out of it. And, uh, I think that's the most important part. I mean, even working out, you can work out as much as you want, but, uh, any, any nutritionist or uh, physical trainer will tell you it's, it's what you, what you do in the kitchen means more than how much you work out. So I think that's the, the biggest question that I probably get is, is, oh, you guys don't eat or, uh, every jockey throws up or this and that and 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 that doesn't happen i mean some people may have to but look that's that's their choice and and uh i mean i, I wouldn't i wouldn't urge a, a young jockey to ever start doing that it's it's really bad it's it's uh unhealthy and it will mess up your focus and everything so uh, i think that's another thing i'm sure the british racing school is uh, good with with nutrition for for jockeys for jockeys learning uh, you, you need to know what to eat and 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 how to maintain y- your weight properly so does this mean you're a, a very strong cook actually <laughs> no i'm not um <laughs> i uh i'm i'm good at scrambling some eggs that's about it uh but no but look i i, I can cook if i wanted to but i'm not gonna cook for just really two people. I'm not going to go out and buy this big meal prep 
and and cook for two people because then I'm gonna find myself snacking too much and, and having leftovers in there, uh, being bored. Uh, but I, I I enjoy going out to eat, uh, catching happy hours. But I mean, look now we can't do that because of COVID. Uh, so but I'm 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 a big fish eater. I love salmon. I love I love tuna. I love uh, I I I watch what I eat. I I eat healthy. Uh, I'll splurge every once in a while because, I mean, you have to. Uh, and my go-to uh, bad snack is uh, I eat a lot of almond M&Ms. I mean, Oof, I'm, I'm seriously addicted to them, I think. And, uh, I mean, you can catch me waking up first thing in the morning. I'll grab a handful. So, I mean, but. If you need the energy uh, when you're working horses. Yeah, for sure. That's, I, that's exactly how I see it, too. <laughs> So if you go for a splurge meal, what what would where would you go? What would you do? Uh, you know, I like a good good pizza somewhere at like a at a nice uh, Italian restaurant place. Uh, uh, I don't like a really thick crust. I like that that type of thick crust pizza, uh, thin crust pizza, crunchy. Uh, that or a, a really really good burger somewhere. I mean, can't go wrong with a splurge meal with a, a burger, and I. Uh, Around here, the best burger, I don't know if you've ever had it, if you ever come back to California, go to Houston's and, and try their burger. Uh, it's amazing. I would have to get my, my partner to try that. I'm afraid I'm a vegetarian. No doubt one of my many flaws that frustrates everyone. <laughs> so I don't know. Right. Well, I'm, I'm a big sushi eater too. I mean, I love I love sushi. Uh, sushi. I, uh, I buy, I buy like, a, I like searing salmon. Like, I, I buy salmon at, at Whole Foods or something and I... I chop it up into little pieces and I just kind of sear it on a pan. I'm I'm very simple like that and I can I can just eat that, you know, so. There's me thinking you'd be like a steak man. For some reason I always think people's favorite meals is steak. <laughs> you know, I, I I don't I don't eat a lot of steak. Uh, I've I've always really avoided it uh for some reason. When I do eat a steak, uh is is that like a Jeff Ruby's or or something like that? I mean, uh, that's basically really the only time I'll, I'll take a few bites of, of someone else's steak, but I'm not going to sit there and eat this whole piece of, of steak. I, I just, I'm not a fan. Uh, I feel it sits in your stomach too long and, uh, yeah, so that's just my opinion. So uh, safe to say you're not sponsored by Jeff Ruby's then? Uh, I would love to be sponsored by <laughs> Jeff Ruby's, but I, no, I'm not, but Hey, but when I do go to Jeff Ruby's, there's a steak that I get there, and, and it's called it's a it's not the the cheapest by all means. It's the the Japanese Wagyu uh, steak beef or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah, it's like prime prime. Yeah, piece I, I, I believe think, it's like yeah. maybe hundred. I don't know. I could be wrong. I think it's like a hundred bucks an ounce or something like that. <sighs> wow. So it's it's not cheap, but I mean you can seriously cut it with a spoon. So that's that's why I like it. That's amazing. Well, Jordan, I feel like the listeners certainly have gotten to know you a lot better over this last hour. Um, I dare say, I don't think I have any more questions. Is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't think of to ask? Uh, no, I mean, if maybe if, if anybody else out here that's, that's watching uh, or listening on this podcast, uh, if you have any questions for me or, or for you, uh, uh, contact me through social media. I mean, my, my Twitter is at Drayden V and, uh, my Instagram is, uh, just Drayden V. So, 
any questions, always feel free to, to ask me. That's wonderful. I was going to ask you, how can people connect with you if they want to learn more about, you know, life as a jockey or the industry itself? Uh, happy that you've plugged yourself. And I'm sure that there will be many questions because I know that you've in the past have responded to a fair few people on social media. And, and I know that it can also be a, a tricky place. How, how do you deal with that? How do you separate, you know, the good from the bad and weed that out a little bit? Yeah, so there's there's people with, I mean, honestly genuine questions and they have the right to ask them uh it's 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 the people who who send you dirty messages like uh oh, i hope you break your neck or oh, i hope i hope you die or, or something like that that's the kind of things that that's i guess an instant block for me uh and i, I i'm not even going to respond to that but i will respond to to the fans that that generally have a good good question and mm -hmm. and i'll do my best to explain it uh like our, our current situation out here in California with, with the whip rule, um, we're only allowed to hit six times underhanded. And uh, if we go over six, then us jockeys only, we get we get penalized, we get fined. And the amount of times that we go over can, I mean, I think our maximum fine can uh, be around th a thousand bucks and, and, and three day suspension. So, I mean, that's, that's a, a humongous thing that we have to keep in our mind now and i know uh it's important for us to stay down and try our hardest for for the gamblers to for our maximum placing uh because i mean me running third for a, a guy that's betting in uh new york could could have just made him 50 grand you know so and for me not trying as hard as i could uh it just cost him 50 grand and he's he's not going to be happy so i mean that's something that people have to understand that we're what we're going through right now and and we're we're trying to get it fixed we're trying to to be able to instead of uh using it six underhanded to to be allowed to 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 bring it up and and use it in, in a proper manner in a pro proper fashion i mean the number is fine six times is fine but but the overhand it's i mean the underhand it's 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 not it's not natural for us i mean Poor Mike Smith and guys who've been riding for 20, 25 years, they've they've been riding the same way for 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 that long, and now all of a sudden you have to change their style. It's it's not fair for us, and it's not for, fair for the gamblers, and, and and we're trying to get it fixed. I, I just want people to know that it's it's not with the track. It's it's through uh, the CHRB and and a lot of the the people, the Jockey Club. Uh, a lot of people are in high places that are that are not working with us and we're we're begging them to work with us and, and to make everybody else happy so well what was it like adapting to that new rule for you you mentioned that there's some writers that have done this for decades of course for you that makes it maybe a little bit easy because you're relatively younger than some of the others in the weighing room yeah, I mean, for for people who are just starting, say say like uh, the the apprentices here, uh, Jessica Pfeiffer uh, and Alexis uh, Centennial. Um, I mean, it's even even difficult for them, but I mean, it's probably more easier for them because of the, they're just starting. I mean, for me, it it, it took me a, a solid month to 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 get it down, uh, but I'm still not happy with it. It's it's very unorthodox. It's from from being able to twirl a whip and and uh and and get it over to my left hand it's it's so much slower for me now because i can i can there's ways there's techniques that that i've uh that i've done and and, and a lot of people do that 
you can just snatch it over there like now and that can that can mean a difference from me running first or second with that extra strike and 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 to be able to get it over that quick now we have to twirl it or have it down we have to twirl it up put it over put it down to the left and hit again so it, that's that's a lot of wasted time in my opinion and with, with a game and and and, uh, and races that every second counts so it, it definitely it's it's not it's just not it's not fair do you think that in terms of effectiveness of encouraging the horses it makes a, a big difference to have the stick in an upper hand or underhand position yeah i mean you, you can you can get after a horse just as much so as as it being like raised up in the in the upper position just as as the same as in the down position in, in my opinion i mean it's it's just it's just the matter of of encouraging the animal in the in the proper way without look i i can win a race just tapping the horse twice i don't i don't need to use my six times and that's what uh that's what we're getting better at as 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 jockeys and and understanding the the perception of of what people are seeing Oh, you guys are are beating on the horses and this and that. No, we're not beating on the horses. We're we're encouraging them to to run faster, and they and they respond to it. They enjoy it. By all means, would I I would never hit a horse if if it's hurting it. Uh, same with my dog. I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't kick my dog because of course that's gonna hurt my dog. I'm gonna. But if I need to get on to him, of course I'm gonna I'm gonna slap him on his nose or something to make sure. He, he doesn't do it again, and it's the same thing. Uh, these animals—they're—they're they're so tough, and people don't understand how tough horses are. This—these little cracks that we're giving them with, with, of course, we adjusted our whips uh, to the soft crop. With this soft crop, it—it it, it makes a loud noise, and all it does is makes our horse run faster, and they want to run faster. If it doesn't make them run faster, we're not going to continue to whip them or, or use the whip. So, so uh, people people need to understand that. And and also, so what, what we've been trying to do as, as a jockey colony, uh, people who are fading to last or, or don't have a chance to get third, second, or even fourth, put your stick away. We can do better at, at – at, uh, not sticking a horse when you have no chance at all. So, so we're 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 becoming better. And uh, but there are certain things that certain tools that we need to be able to to do for for the owners putting this much money into a horse and not being able to get uh, a fair chance at what they what they can get. So. So uh, talking about the, the horses not being able to, you know, place or show, is that something that kind of as a colony you discuss, as you mentioned, like don't hit a tiring horse that has no chance of running into the money? Because that's not like I didn't realize that that was now something that you would, you know, talk about with others because that is probably an improvement. I don't think the public wants to see horses tiring badly still um, getting encouraged, so to speak, by by the stick when it really doesn't have much effect. Right, and and I, I me as a jockey, I don't want to see that. Uh, for for I mean, for for a guy to be welling on a horse that's that's going backwards, uh, and not going forwards makes no sense to me. So they need to be better, and uh, 
So that's why we're, I mean, we're, we're getting strict with each other. I mean, if I see a guy doing that, I mean, like, I'm going to, that's going to be a time where I'm going to say, Hey dude, why, why, why are you hitting this horse? You're going backwards. Uh, stop. Uh, and, and I mean, it's also the steward's job to, to see that as well. And, and he may even get fined for it. I mean, uh, that's something that we need to adapt to and, and, and change. Uh, times are changing. People are getting, uh, I wouldn't say more sensitive, but they're, they're caring for animals a lot more, which, which is amazing. And they should, but just, they should know that we're not abusing horses. Uh, we're, we're encouraging, encouraging them to, to do what they love. They love to run. Uh, any rider, any person who's been on a horse, they love either jumping, they love running, they love being active, and uh, they're bred for it. So, I mean, it's only natural. Yeah. So so then the, the counter question, I, I get frequently from a, a lot of my friends and family that aren't in, in horse racing, they go, so if they love to run, why do you still have to touch them with the stick to make them run faster if they already love it? Well, I mean it's it's that's a good question some horses they don't maybe they they don't want to run as fast as others but they can and they're that's a that, that personality of that horse i mean i mean look some some days i might not want to wake up and go to work but i know i have to i have to be there uh so i gotta i gotta get my butt up and, and get into gear and uh sometimes it I can be slacking off and somebody gets on to me, uh, say like a proctor, be like, slap, slap me on, on my back or something like, hey, son, fucking wake up, like get get your butt in the gear. What are you doing? Uh, same with a horse. Uh, not every horse is, is uh, the supreme athlete as 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 uh, as a LeBron James. There there's lower tiers of, of horses that need more encouraging than others do and. And not saying that they're uh, that it, they don't like to run. They just they're not as fast, and they may not want to do it as much as other horses do. But I mean, it's still natural for them, and that makes them not as good of a horse as as a justify would be, you know. So yeah, it's a, it's a it's a very complex issue. Yeah, it's super complex. It's there's a lot of. I mean, I could talk on that for hours. It's just <laughs> it's just. Uh, I mean, a horse that doesn't want to run just by a hand ride, we'd call them uh, kind of stubborn or, or a common horse. Like they don't want to give out their maximum effort that you know they have, and a few taps will, will bring that out of them. So uh, that's that's just that's just this that's the sport. And yeah. um, if people don't understand that or they can't understand that, and if they they think all oh, that 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 whip is is abusing them it's not it's just it's making them go forward and also it's keeping us safe it's uh if a horse all of a sudden bolts to the outside rail that's my tool to to maybe help help save the horse's life and my my life from maybe going over the rail i mean the the reins aren't working maybe i can use the stick and 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 use it in the manner in, in the manner to to make them go the other way so we need it and we need to be able to use it in the right way. Well, as a safety tool, I would always advocate to never, ever get rid of it because you're, you're 
very right there. It can save your life as well as the horse. And you're risking your life on a daily basis riding these amazing animals that sometimes don't always know what to do is right for them and for the jockey riding them. And I think that might be an argument that's more easy to transfer to the general public saying that this is our tool of safety, keeping both the the horse and the rider safe. So yes, we can definitely talk about this for a lot longer, but Drayden, I am going to let you go. It was such a pleasure to have a chat with you. And I really feel like I got to know you a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Have me on anytime and uh, I appreciate it. I'm certain this will not be the last time Drayden makes an appearance on this show. As he highlighted earlier, his time will come, if it hasn't already. With all the performances he's been able to put on and the success he's had, it just seems like a tremendous upward curve. Thank you again, Drayden. It was really wonderful having a chat with you. So guys, for next week, well... I have this idea, it is something I think many of you would very much enjoy, a rare inside insight, lifting up the curtains related to betting, but I have to convince my guests first, so stay tuned for that one, and stay safe everyone, see you next week.